But I'm going to read verses 12 through 30. Starting with verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will also be delivered from bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Amen to that if you're getting older. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts makes uh, hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined... Actually, I'm going to stop there. Let's stop right there. I'm going to cover that next week. Uh, if you're taking notes tonight, we're going to look at two things tonight. But if you're taking notes, I've titled our time in God's Word tonight, Kept by the Spirit. Kept by the Spirit. And we'll look at just two things uh, for the sake of time. Sonship and suffering. Sonship and suffering. And we'll look at that last section next week, which is more than enough for... Uh, an entire study of itself, and frankly, we could do a couple of several studies in this section. But this kept by the Spirit, this passage, the whole chapter, not just the passage I read, but the passage that Randy read last week, verses 1 through 11, and the remaining verses through verse 39, this one chapter mentions the Spirit 22 times, and twice referencing the Spirit, because it says the Spirit himself, and you can take the, the himself as a separate or together, uh, it, apply, it actually uh, is applicable in both, as a, both a together statement, Spirit himself, although it's not uh, generally seen as any title of the Holy Spirit, so it's more of Paul emphasizing the Spirit himself. So uh, it, it's like saying Tim Tim in a way. Uh, but... The Spirit himself, so if we take the himself, you actually have 24 mentions of who? The Holy Spirit. 
This is important. Now, this is the whole chapter, 24 mentions of the Spirit, 22 times the Spirit, twice Himself speaking of the Holy Spirit. In the seventh chapter, you know, we, we saw you know, how wretched the flesh is, that, uh, uh, that we, uh, there's nothing good that dwells in us. The good that we do, we cannot do or do not do unless we have the Holy Spirit. It would be true that we, you know, Paul, that's why Paul cries out, oh, wretched man, that I am back in chapter 7. We would be stuck forever, except Paul says, but we do have the Spirit. And I think it's interesting that this chapter, the Spirit's mentioned 24 times. How many hours are in the day? 24. (laughs) We need the Spirit every hour of the day. So this chapter, why I titled it, Kept by the Spirit, anything in the Christian walk, it's going to be impossible. Jesus already told us, without him we can do nothing. Not some things. Not some things, well, well they got, I got my, my personal list, the things that I handle, and then there's my God list, the things that I... And Jesus said, no, the whole, the whole list, you can't keep your heart beating, and you can't really do anything unless it's going to be wood, hay, and stubble. So anything of eternal value will be by the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit uh, more than we can possibly comprehend. Now we have the Holy Spirit. Paul has made that clear in the text that, uh, that uh, you guys were in last week. Uh, that is a great emphasis on the fact that we've been given the indwelling of the Spirit. Now, it's not just the Holy Spirit, though, is mentioned uh, in this text. God is mentioned 18 times in the text, just this, just this one chapter, chapter 8. Jesus is mentioned 14 times, six times as Christ, three times as Christ Jesus, once as Jesus, only Jesus, and once as the Son, and one, uh, I'm sorry, three times as the Son, and once as Lord. So 14 times Jesus is mentioned, or Christ. And then we have He, capital H-E, referencing sometimes God, Sometimes the Spirit, and sometimes the Lord Jesus, but capital H-E, that's another 15 times, same chapter. Then we have Him, capital H-I-M, sometimes God, sometimes the Spirit, sometimes the Lord, six more times. Then we have Your, from the Old Testament, speaking of God, capital Y-O-U-R, one more time. Abba once and Father once. If you're a good mathematician, you've figured out that I just said 86 times a member of the Trinity is mentioned in just the 8th chapter. It really is all about Him, isn't it? It's really not about us. Um, I think that's a pretty megaphone emphasis that the Holy Spirit spoke through Paul, that there is power, but it's only through God the Father, God the Son, in the Spirit of Jesus Christ. We know because earlier in the chapter, in the 8th chapter, where you guys were at last week, it says, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. So anytime we see the Holy Spirit, it's the Spirit of Christ. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit, we need the working of the manifold work of God. Colossians 2.9 tells us, For in Him, who is Him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
and we see the fullness of the Godhead in all those mentions. Abba, Father, Son, Christ Jesus, Spirit, Lord, Jesus, God, all in the same passage. But again, the manifestation of it. Remember when Jesus left, he said, I'm going to go back to the Father, but I'm going to send you the Helper. Right? Who comes from who? Comes from the Father in the Son to you, and the Holy Spirit will actually be with you all the days of your life on the earth. And he said, you'll even do greater things with the Spirit's presence in you, which was not true of the saints of old. The Spirit would come upon the saints of old, but the Spirit would live in us perpetually. Now, I, really, I firmly believe, as Chuck Smith has taught for years, uh, as uh, was reminded, uh, we were up there, I mean, I, uh, it wasn't long ago, and the elders know this, that I was uh, one day searching for uh, information that I was trying to uh, prepare for one of the Sunday messages, and, and the Lord sent me what, on what I perceived was a wild goose chase uh, in a different direction, uh, and I ended up finding uh, this book from R.A. Torrey, Baptism with the Spirit. Now, I already believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe it is a separate work, uh, as Chuck Smith has taught you know, for a long, long time, as many, uh, many uh, as saints of old. D.L. Moody, of course, uh, uh, was one of these that believed this. And the reason why... Um, now, I believe the good Lord had me find the book is because R.A. Torrey... Back then, and the elders know, I've told them the story. R.A. Torrey was, um, he was a guy who loved the Lord, was already being used mightily by the Lord. Understand this, right? He loved the Lord. He was already being used mightily by the Lord, more than most of us in this room ever have been. Right? And then he met D.L. Moody. And he could, now, R.A. Torrey had a lot of, um, he had a lot of uh, biblical knowledge that he had acquired through seminary and Bible college. He was really learned in Hebrew and Greek. He had all the stuff that Moody didn't have because Moody never went to college. And he meets this guy and he sees the power of God on him. It's like Peter was. Peter, Peter was not educated like Paul. Paul and Peter are like R.A. Torrey and D.L. Moody. Paul... Deep education, it would make sense that Paul could write what he writes. Peter writes First and Second Peter, just as amazing, just as beautiful, and it wouldn't make sense to people. Matter of fact, remember the, the, in the book of uh, Acts, they were amazed that Peter could speak the way he could speak. He wasn't learned. Well, uh, R.A. Torrey sees this power in D.L. Moody's life, and uh, he's saying, what, where is it coming from? Where are you getting? And D.L. Moody tells him, the Holy Spirit, I'm baptized in the Spirit. Well, R.A. Torrey doesn't really buy into that concept, so he starts to study the Bible as the theologian and the deep student of the Word that he is, and the Holy Spirit not only convinces him, he writes basically I, what I've found and what I've seen is the most profound writing on it, baptism with the Spirit. Uh, and matter of fact, I didn't know until we were at the pastor's conference yesterday uh, when Damian Kyle stands up and recommends to all the pastors, if you don't have R.A. Torrey's book, Get it for every elder, every person in your church. Get it for everyone, because what happened with R.A. Torrey is he went on tour with uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, 
because they could see that the power of the Holy Spirit was non-existent in the churches in America, and they went from church to church. This was not a Pentecostal movement. This was not a Calvary Chapel movement. They did not exist. This was a God movement, and they were at Baptist churches, Methodist churches, you name it. Matter of fact, many denominations that I mentioned reject this concept altogether, and R.A. Torrey would end up writing the fundamentals of the faith, which, by example, would end up being used by denominations which shall be nameless. Amazing, isn't it? The power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're all given the Holy Spirit. This, tonight, is not a, tonight is not a study in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what we're looking at here is the work of the Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit. Jesus gave the, gave the Holy Spirit to everyone. But it's so important, uh, uh, Lewis Neely, who was also sharing with us, Lewis has been in the ministry for 40-some years. Uh, Lewis is pretty fiery. We've got to show a message. We've got to show Damian Kyle's message and, and one of Lewis's messages. But uh, Lewis made the point well that uh, he couldn't imagine living the Christian life at all without the power of the Holy Spirit. He, and he made a great point. He said, you know, he goes, I don't, he goes, I'm not holy and spiritual like the rest of you guys. He goes, I'd be backslidden in 24 hours if it weren't for prayer and the Holy Spirit. How about you guys? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's look at uh, this sonship mentioned uh, in the text here, starting with verse uh, 12. And so we, I'm not going to reread all these verses, but it starts out being debtors to the flesh. Uh, we're not debtors to the flesh. Thank the Lord for that. We are not debtors to the flesh. Because we've been given the Spirit of God. Everyone's been given the Spirit of God. And the first thing he mentions, for if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if you, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. Uh, the first point I want to make is we must be purified by the Spirit. Now that is a, that's a choice on our part. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given victory over sin. Paul makes that case in the previous chapters. We've been given the victory over sin. We may not understand that intellectually, but God said it so we, we can stand on it. Amen? We've been given the victory over sin, so we must now put to death the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. Now, you actually can't put to death the deeds of the Spirit uh, or the deeds of the flesh. You can't put them to death in your flesh. You say, Lord, help me put them to death, and he will indeed help you put them. There's no sin that God won't give you victory over. doesn't mean that you'll become sinless, but God will give you victory, that you don't go back to wallowing in the same sin that we once walked in. Galatians 5, verse 17 says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. Can you amen to that? The flesh and the spirit, they're at war all the time, aren't they? And he goes on in the 24th verse, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They've crucified them. I go back to this concept, a lot of the saints that I've been reading of old talk about this concept of being willing to be made willing. This is a major problem with people that I meet. It's a major problem with all of us that I can sense, well, you're willing? No. All right, let's go to another one. They'll really. Ha Do you believe in the power of God? Yes. Are you willing to be made willing? 
If you can say yes there, God will turn the wheels on every single thing that you've never been able to gain victory over. But if you'll be honest with God and say, I'm willing to be made willing, whatever it is, say, Lord, I will fast for 24 hours for the first time in my life. I can't do it, God. Now God will say back, are you willing to be made willing? Yes, I'm willing to be made willing. Are you willing to see me give you more power to do it? I'm willing to see you give me more power to do it. All right, then take the first six hours, meet me back at hour number six, and, and ask the same question. Now, meet me at hour 12. Now, you know, that's how it works. Now, really, you should be meeting throughout, but you get the point, that God will meet you each juncture. Um, you know, I, I found in sports and everything else, uh, it was always, if I... Uh, Sometimes if I count in bunches, it's easier. You ever run laps around a track? If you count them one, 17, you're dying. You count them in bunches of fours or something, you count to four and start all over, count to four again, it makes a big difference. And I think that, again, that's, a, that's that willing to be made willing, to say, Lord, I think I can do this, but if I take these steps of faith, will you meet me with each step? And he will. And there's a lot of, you can, you can breathe easy knowing that God will help you do that. But it's not easy to breathe easy if you believe, all right, I've got to carry this up 95 flights of stairs. I'm talking about a spiritual metaphor here. Instead, say, Lord, I'm going to take the first five steps. I'm willing to go all 95 if you'll help me. At the fifth step, all right, I'm willing to go five more steps. At the fifth, you ever seen Face the Giants when the coach blindfolds the guy? They get, the kid thinks he's gone like 10 feet. But he's like, are you willing, if I blindfold you, are you willing to trust me? That's what God basically does. We can put to death, the sin can come out if we believe God at his word and say, Lord, I'm willing to have you put to death anything. Even things you really still like to do. Right? They're not the same grotesque sins anymore. You know, for me, it was staying up later than I should be. This is one I've been dealing with in the last year. I mean, honestly, with the Lord, Lord and me had a back and forth, and I was going to lose no matter what. And I can't count the ways I lost. It was a lot. It was, uh, there's a lot of ways that I lost in that battle, but finally I said, all right, Lord, I get a uh, uh, laptop off at a certain time. The, all these things that God, they, they, and there may not be what he's talking to you about, but there were things that he said, you've got to put them to death. And some of those aren't even sin, they're just weights, according to Hebrews. They're just weights. They can become sins. The second thing we see here, putting to death the, putting to death the uh, deeds of the body, it springs forth life in us. Now that's that first step is, if there's sin, if there's latent sin in us, the Holy Spirit will not be working in us. doesn't mean he's not still there for the seal of salvation, Thank the Lord for that, right? Because if I sinned and I died tomorrow, then I'd go to hell if that was the case. But that's not the case, right? Uh, our salvation is covering all future, past, present sin, but there will be no power. You can't help the co-worker that God wants you to help if there's no power, if you're not hearing from the Lord. You can't see what God wants you doing in a certain situation. And that brings us to the next point. We want to be led by the Spirit. For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. People that never stop sinning and have no leading of the Spirit are actually not saved. 
Paul makes that clear a few verses earlier, that you, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, uh, Christ is not in you. Only God knows who has the Holy Spirit, but we know that the Scriptures say that our spirit bears witness with those who are genuinely saved. Have you experienced that in your Christian walk? You can just meet someone and say, wow, I feel like I've known you forever because the Spirit bears witness. You meet someone else, they tell you they're a Christian, and after a while you can't wait to run the other direction. Like if you're saved, that's a weird brand that you've got going there. But led by the Spirit, not led by the flesh. As many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. The Spirit will always lead us into the things of the Lord. We, to stay led of the Spirit, and at the same time, stay cognizant of sin that must constantly be rooted out. As I gave the analogy a while back, I don't have to do anything for weeds to grow, but i got to work pretty hard to keep them out. i got to be vigilant. But if the Holy Spirit's in us, I have eyes to see the weeds. I have ears to know if it's raining or not raining, so I should go out and rain it. Or, or you know what I mean, sprinkler it. Is that a word either? I don't think so. <laughs> I love coming up with new words. The dictionary grows. Maybe it grows from pastors. I'm sure there's a part, part truth to that. But the things that the Spirit will lead us into, prayer, starts there. I love the reminder Damien Kyle gave us as pastors yesterday. He said, our personal time with the Lord, prayer and devotion, has to be the sweetest aspect of our life, or we will not see the power of God in our life. That's so true. Notice, he didn't say the longest, you know, my devotional time, with the Lord is always going to be, I would, I would expect, as a pastor, longer. I'm, I'm told that I'm supposed to, number one and two, ministry of prayer and the Word. Um, so devotional time is not the same for everybody. Everyone has different calling, different vocations, different things, but it still can be the sweetest, right? For some of you, that little Hershey kiss was the sweetest part of your day. But it isn't big, is it? Especially if you're on some kind of sugar diet or something like that, then it really tastes incredible, right? But it's still the sweetest part. Now, I'm not saying devotion should be two minutes. I am not into that uh, one-minute devotional uh, concept. God will show you the balance. It's not a minute, I can tell you that. But what it is will be different for everybody. But it still should be sweet, and he'll call you into that time of prayer, that time in the Word. Personal worship. You're not just worshiping when the worship team is up here. You worship the Lord yourself, and not just through song, through meditation, through just praising God, going throughout the day saying, wow, Lord, that's an incredible sunset. That's a form of worship. Talking to God, just worshiping what he's done all around us. And fellowship. You know, when we gather with the body of Christ, fellowship um, has a low premium in its real value. Fellowship is incredibly valuable. I actually think that Real discipleship comes out of real fellowship. What do you all think? Or does it come out of a six-week class? Because if that's true, what do you do after the sixth week? Have you ever seen a lot of places have a six-week? Now, I'm not against foundations of the faith where six-week classes, and actually I think there's some things we'd like to add in the future here along those lines that are valuable for new believers. I get the value in that, but that can't be your only form of discipleship because after that, all right, you're discipled, see you later. 
I'm still being discipled. I got discipled by Damian Kyle, you know, uh, Lewis Neely. Chuck Smith spoke to us, right? If we'd have stayed, KP Hannah was there last night. I'm always getting discipled. I'm still getting discipled by guys who wrote stuff in the 1800s. They're still discipling to this day. We need that fellowship that comes out, or we need that discipleship that comes out of fellowship. We need to witness. You can't keep the gospel to yourself. Nobody gets saved, and you will wither and die if you don't share the gospel. You believe that? If you don't share it, you'll actually wither up. It's actually a, it's actually a way to backslide in your own faith is not to be sharing the gospel. We've got opportunities at Bon Air twice a month now, right, Aaron? Uh, we even have new units of boys say, Why? where can I start? Start sharing it where there's already an open field. The gate is there. All you have to do is just kind of, it's really easy, just kind of open up the gate and walk through. Well, that'll take some time out of my day. Exactly. But it'll add time. It'll add time in areas that you never expected. God will give you back a manifold blessing and It'll keep you from drying up. This led by the Spirit. These are the things the Spirit will lead us to do. It'll lead us into more fellowship. It'll lead us into more prayer. Lead us into the Word. And not in legalism. You won't be beating yourself up. The Holy Spirit will make it that its burden is light, not heavy. The longer I'm saved, the more God gently nudges me on things. And if I don't listen well, then I get more than a nudge. He has a staff still. Jesus still carries the full rod and staff. Amen? You might have felt it recently. But he leads mostly, but he will correct. And the Spirit corrects us, doesn't he? The Spirit's going to correct us. You're going to say something like, you knew you shouldn't have said it. And the Spirit will say, you couldn't have said that. You shouldn't have said that. I'm going to let you off the hook if you go back and apologize. Right? I'm going to get you back in harmony with the Father, but you're going to have to go and say, I shouldn't have said that, I'm sorry. It's so much easier to just get that stuff done fast, isn't it? Than to let it fester on both ends. Doesn't it fester on both ends? Your end and the other end? But the Holy Spirit leads us to constant reconciliation. Those that are led by the Spirit are ministers of reconciliation. We see next here, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Legalism is bondage. License is bondage. Everyone, you know, if you go to Israel and you find find the Orthodox Jews that are there at the Wailing Wall, which they don't call the Wailing Wall, they call it the Western Wall, but you find the Orthodox Jews there bobbing back and forth. They've got the wooden block uh, they've got the tassels hanging off. They've got all of it, and they have to get out there, and they've got the prayer shawl, and they've got the whole nine yards, and they have to be in a certain position, and it's bondage, isn't it? You're not required to do that. You're not required to go to a confessional and tell a guy who's in more sin than you are about your sin, right? That's not always the case, but, uh, you know, we... We lived in Miami. We, we knew. <laughs> we knew some of the priests intimately. We knew um, as far as you know, places where we went, there were they. And I'm like, wow. We're not in that because license is bondage too. License means you can't stop sinning. That's a different kind of bondage. And legalism is constantly trying to impress God or whatever God you serve, whether it's Hinduism, Buddhism, you, know, you name it. But we're given freedom through the Spirit, uh, 
from this kind of bondage, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We are sons and daughters of God through the Holy Spirit. Um, my last, well, maybe my last mention of what Damien was sharing, it was just, it was, I got to share the uh, message. I mean, he, great stuff from the book of Isaiah and the sevenfold work of the Spirit, but um, the Spirit, when we receive this adoption, when we receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us, we have this life that begins that now it's the Spirit that gives us the connection to God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. Right? Jesus left us with the Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit. The Spirit is the one that is... It's the, remember, it's the Spirit of Christ. And yet, I know it's hard for us to wrap our minds around the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And yet, I quoted to you how many times each member of the Trinity is mentioned in this 8th chapter. But it's the Holy Spirit. We're sons through the blood of Jesus but through the ongoing, indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit, right? Kind of like a birth certificate, if you will. Because that, remember, the Spirit, we're sealed with the Spirit. Kind of like this birth certificate uh, that we are now, or maybe better, adoption certificate would be the better way to say it. This adoption certificate placed upon our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and it's the Spirit that we have this sonship, daughtership with the Lord. Galatians 3.3 says, having begun in the Spirit, our walk began and will continue in the Spirit. That goes on to be a warning uh, about walking away from the Spirit. Uh, In the 26th chapter of Galatians chapter 3, it says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Same author, Paul writing to the Galatians there, same, uh, same mention of Abba Father again. And did you hear that? And because you are sons of God, he has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba Father. The spirit is the one that will continually make us, keep us in right relationship with the Father. And that goes back to, again, each one of these steps, Paul's laying them out. Each one, they're not a one-time deal, they're an ongoing deal. Would you agree with me? You need the continual purifying work of the Spirit. You need to be continually led by the Spirit, and when you do, you continually, you're so, uh, the gratitude is there that your spirit cries out, Abba, Father. My kids, I have three daughters, as you guys know, they much more cry out, we don't use the word Abba around our house, by the way, but um, we don't even use the word Father, uh, we use Dad. Uh, I, this is my own personal, some of you that pray Daddy, to God, I, it just weirds me out. But anyway, um, so if you do that around me, just know that I'm cringing somewhere. Um, I'm kidding. 
You're, you're free to use whatever term, Papa, whatever it is, if you're from another country, Padre, whatever it is that you, that you use. But it just weirds me out when people say, Daddy, because uh, we didn't use that word where I grew up. Uh, it was Dad. We didn't use Daddy. That's a tangent. That's, as Lewis Neal said, that's a bonus. That was not actually part of my notes or anything like that. But uh, that's a bonus. Am I the only one that that weirds you out? Uh, I just... <laughs> I, anyway, but whatever you call, when my daughters, I can see when their spirit is truly just excited to have me around. They really are always excited to have me around, they just don't know it sometimes. <laughs> but when their spirit is excited about it, dad, 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 this, dad, this. And it's, and it's an excitement because they really believe we're in relationship. They really believe we're in harmony. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. You will not hear... It's just like the unsaved world has a hard time saying the name Jesus unless it's a swear word because they have no relationship with him. It is, that's a hard word to get out of their mouth. They can actually say God because God is a far removed... They don't say Father, do they? Father rolls off our tongue very easy and we, we, we pray, right? Jesus said, our Father which art in heaven. That's a work of the Spirit. Do you guys know what I'm saying? I'm speaking to you spirit now, to the Spirit. You'll know what I mean without me having to give deeper detail on this. You'll know that that's what Paul's getting at. Say, now that you actually, before you were saved, uh, however you refer to deity, it wasn't Father. However you related to your God, it was not Father. It was distant, powerful, almighty Thor, or whatever it is, Zeus, or Apollo, or, you know, it wasn't Father. And then you get saved, and at first, you're like, am I allowed to call him Father? Yes, you're just not allowed to call him Daddy, but other than that. You know, the world refers to really carnal, stupid things like the man upstairs, and stuff like that. But not us. The Spirit begins to say, Father, when we continue to walk in Him, He goes on, and we'll close with this. Looks like I'm going to get three teachings out of this uh, last latter part of Romans 8, which is just fine. We will take our time if the Spirit wants us to. The 16th verse, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our own spirit that we are the children of God. That's a beautiful thing, the Spirit bearing witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God. Have you ever doubted that you're one of the, God's children? Or is that just me? I've doubted it. I'm a, by nature, I'm fairly skeptical about everything. I doubt things. You tell me such and so happened, I'm going to have to go look it up. No, no, I, saw, I, I just, I believe you, but, right? I've, got, I've gotten a lot better than that. Now, now I really do. Uh, if you tell me you got a new car, I'll believe you. I don't need to see it. Right? If you tell me that, uh, you know, you can now bench press 600 pounds, I'm going to want to see it, you know? So it uh, just depends on what it is. But the witness of the Spirit bears witness that we are the children of God. 
this is an important thing. First uh, John chapter 3, uh, John writes about this as well. And uh, you might want to turn there. We'll close there. We're almost done. I, wanna, I want you to see this. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. This is worth uh, taking a right-hand turn just before you get to Jude and Revelation, although there's 2 John and 3 John there too. But 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, let's start with verse 18. John, uh, John really addressing the same thing that Paul is addressing here, but uh, we just get, again, another eyewitness account of the Spirit to this important truth, starting with uh, verse 18, my little children. Uh, that's written by John, but it's actually written by the Holy Spirit. That's the way the Holy Spirit sees you and me. Little children, no matter how old you are and how many years you've been walking the faith, let us not love in word or in tongue. Saying one thing, but doing another. But in deed and truth, we're not saved by works, but we're saved unto works, and we will have works, we will have fruit. Although fruit trees take a while to bloom fruit, they eventually do bloom fruit, right? In deed and truth, and by this we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before them. How do we assure our hearts? By walking in truth. That's what John's saying. He goes on, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Meaning that there are times that your heart has condemned you and your guilty conscience didn't mean you were not saved, but your heart did condemn because there was something that you probably were allowing that was straying from walking in truth. And then thus the heart. But he says, but God is greater than our heart. His blood is greater than our sin. He knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Now, we don't want to stay in that condemnation. We can't stay in that condemnation. Matter of fact, if you live perpetually in that condemnation, that's not good. Maybe the Holy Spirit is saying uh, that you've never really repented. And I believe some people uh, ignore that and shouldn't and really should come to a place of, of first-time repentance. Uh, there's a lot of false conversions. But, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. So you might say, well, is he saying the opposite thing? No, again, there are times when the condemnation creeps in. It's we're not walking in truth. We walk back in truth, we won't feel that condemnation. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. We, we then, when we're walking in the Spirit, in harmony with the Lord, we have this confidence, and then we start to ask for big, bold things. Not wealthy, self-absorbent things, big, bold things. We say, Lord, I believe that through this trial or tribulation, you can, you can conform me more to the image of Christ. Or uh, I believe that if I, I pray earnestly about this for the next month, you will save so-and-so. I, you know, whatever it is that God lays on your heart, Whatever we ask, we receive because we keep his commandments. And we, when we can't keep them, we say, Lord, I'm willing to be willing to keep them. And God says, all right, if you're willing to be willing, let's go back to the track. Don't count to 90, right? Just stay with me. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, not eight miles out in front. 
walking with Him, doing those things that are pleasing in His sight. You can't just remove sin. You can't just remove sin. It must be replaced. A.W. Tozer said, social religion is perfected when private religion is purified. Social religion, in other words, touching lives. This isn't the social gospel, people. This is touching lives. Social religion is perfected when private religion is purified. When your private walk with the Lord is pure, you then will have the Holy Spirit leading to say, now go do, now go serve, now go meet needs, now go do these things in my name. The Holy Spirit will not let you sit on your hands. But he won't also have you be busy for the sake of busyness. Just because you're busy uh, doesn't mean, uh, even if you're doing things for the Lord, if it's not done in the power of the Holy Spirit, there's no value there anyway. But he will purify you and then make you useful in the Master's hands to be poured out as a drink offering. So you'll do those things, again, 1 John, this 22nd verse, uh, those things that are pleasing in His sight, and this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love, other, uh, love one another as He gave us commandment. If we do those things, the Spirit will bear witness that we are the children of God. This goes back to Paul. We can go back to Romans 8. John, again, speaking on some of the same things. The witness of the Spirit ensures and promises assurance. I'll give one last illustration and we'll come to a close here. Um, when it comes to doubt, take, uh, I, I know I give a lot of sports analogies. Someday I'll find something else that I like, uh, but uh, don't count on it. Um, if you've ever played any sports, or if you've ever watched someone that's good at something athletically, even good athletes, something they've done a million times will have butterflies and doubts. I don't think I can do it. Who comes along and says, yes, you can? Usually, C-O-A-C-H. Their coach, right? Coach comes along and says, look, I've seen you in practice. I, and I, I don't know if I can make this free throw. I've seen you make 100 in a row in practice. I know you can do it. You're going to do it. Go out and do it. The encouragement or the assurance says, no, 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 you, you are able because you've done this, you are this, now go out and do it. Similarly, the Holy Spirit in our life, there's times again where the Satan is also called the accuser of the brethren. He will constantly accuse, he will beat down, he will constantly you know, tell you, 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 know, you, you'll never do it for the Lord, you'll, you know, you're, you're, you're garbage, this, that, and the other. And rather than you know, do what some of the goofy stuff on TV, start talking to Satan and cursing him and you know, throw him in a corner and I rebuke you and you know, all that stuff, you don't need to talk to him. You just talk to God. And you resist him in the Spirit, and he'll flee from you. And the confidence and assurance comes back from, you know, the crowd is yelling, you'll, you're going to miss, you're going to miss. And then the coach says, block all that out, look at me in the eyes, you got this. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He just says, look, walk back in my truth, get back in the Word, 
confess any known sin. If there's something you're unwilling to give up, get on your face, say, Lord, I'm willing to be made willing. And then all of a sudden, God will start breaking down the hard barriers. And then all of a sudden, burdens are lifted, assurance is there, and you walk in power. Make sense? You benefit from someone who is there to encourage you and assure you, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. Remember, we've barely touched on all the sphere of what the Holy Spirit does. He does a lot, doesn't he? And he does it all in a day's work, amen? That's why we're kept by his Spirit. We'll look uh, next week at suffering. So maybe the Lord wants us to devote, apparently he does, an entire session to suffering, because apparently that is what's going to take place when we get back together. Let's close in prayer.